Bible, whoa. <laughs> Bible, raise your hand. And once you get your Bible, we're going to be going through Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. This thing's so fancy. All right, so if you guys will just turn there, and then we will pray. Uh, God, we're just so in love with you today, God. God, I just thank you that I'm up here, Lord. And God, I just pray that you'll just take over me, God. Take away all my nerve, Lord, and replace it with your spirit, God. Lord, I just pray that you'll bless this, Lord, and I pray that everybody won't see a 16-year-old kid up here, God, but you, Jesus. And we just love you, God, and I just pray that you'll just do your work and just speak through me mightily today, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit will be so filled up in this room that we'll all be choking, God, in your spirit, Lord. So we love you, God. We praise you. Just bless this night, Lord. Bless this sermon. Bless the worship after this. Bless these people, God. And we're just in love with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm. <laughs> so we're in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, um, and I'm going to read it for you guys. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Mm. So first, to put this passage into context, because every passage should be put into context, there's always something before it. And so we need to put this into context, and in Hebrews 11, it's all about faith. Hebrews 11, it talks about just, it's referred to as the hall of faith because it talks about the patriarchs of our faith. It talks about Moses and Abraham and Joseph. It talks about all these great people who just had faith and like are in the Bible and they're just so, such great men that we look up to. And when you read it, you find out that, that it's not about them. See, when I read Hebrews 11, I just saw the glory of God to use these men so mightily. See, it's not about the faithfulness of the man, but instead the faithfulness of the God who used them so mightily. So instead of expanding on the glory of these huge characters, the author of Hebrews just talks about God and his faithfulness to use the man submitted to him. So now knowing that, we can go into Hebrews 12. And so Hebrews 12, the author basically, the author of Hebrews is basically giving us an instruction of how to react to this faithfulness that God has given us. He says to react in faith to God's faithfulness. It is basically an exhortment from chapter 11 to... um, And the author, through this passage, screams to us. He says, they're just like us. And this Christian is how to obtain the same faithfulness they had in submission. See, these verses, in a nutshell, they say, submit to the Lord your God and run as freaking fast as you can. Laying aside all your burdens upon the cross, all your weights upon the cross, leaving everything upon the cross, submitting it all to Jesus, and just run towards him. 
It's just, it's just, we should have a narrow mind just running towards Jesus no matter what. No, it doesn't matter what sin we have, no matter what burdens we have. It's all laid upon the cross and far behind us. So we just run towards Jesus. And that's what these are saying. You see, but in the submission, it, it seems to be more complicated than that. You see, we... We think, oh yeah, it's, it, it just seems so easy to submit, but it actually, when you really get down to it, it's a lot more difficult than you think because this world is broken. You see, since Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this world and we as both an individual and a society have been flipped around upside down, not how God created us to be. You see, we are created in the mirror and image of God but now we are flipped and we are the opposite. We do not reflect Jesus. You see, so in us, in our brokenness, it becomes so hard to submit because we feel unworthy or we feel too worthy. We feel we're too prideful or we just have doubt. You see, this brokenness causes just, it causes a feeling of unworthiness. It causes pride and it causes doubt in us. You see, we feel we're unworthy or we feel we're exempt because of our awesomeness or because, or we just feel we don't believe. But the truth is, yes, you are unworthy. No, you're not that great. And no, Jesus is alive and active and you need him. So in this pride and in this guilt and in this doubt, we are in desperate need of a savior and a restorer. You see, we are in desperate need for Jesus. We need a savior. You see, we are broken and we ourselves cannot atone for our sins because we, like, a broken man cannot heal a broken man because if a broken man tries to pay for that broken man, then that broken man's going to have to pay for another broken man. And it just goes on and on. We need a perfect savior to shed his blood for us. We need an atonement for our sins. See, we are in desperate need of this salvation and restoration. As Colossians 3, 5 through 6 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of those, the wrath of God is coming. We're all sinners. There's no escaping it. We all are not that great of people. We're all sinners. We are born into this brokenness. So that's where Jesus comes in. You see, every sermon needs to be founded upon Jesus. So I'm going to go through John 3, 16 through 18. It says, for God so loved the world. He sent his only, you guys all know that. He sent his only son that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever has not believed is condemned already because he has not believed the son of God. God saw this broken world and out of his glory and out of his love, he sent Jesus. You see, God is all about his glory. He wants us, him to be magnified. He wants his kingdom to be expanded. And in that glory comes his love. So God, he just wants, he wants the best for everything. He wants the, uh, him to be an expanded. And in him being expanded, we too get the well-being of his grace. You see, he wants us to come to him so we can magnify him. And through that comes love. You see, God so loved us that he sent his only son to die. 
So God saw this broken world and out of his glory and love, he sent Jesus, his only son, in whom he has perfect unity with, to not die on the cross, atoning for our sins, but to rise up and breathe life back into our dry bones. You see, we are not just, Jesus didn't just die for us, but he rose from the grave. You see, Jesus didn't just die and then that's it. We're saved and we're going to heaven. No, he rose from the grave. So we are not dead in our trespasses anymore, but we are alive in him. And he breathes this life into us. He lives this, breathes this life into our dry bones. He restores us and regenerates us. And it is this breath, this breath of the Holy Spirit that regenerates us into the man we were intended to be. And it's just so great how just the Holy Spirit just, oh, he just breathes into us and we're just, we're made into those men we're supposed to be and we're no longer broken though we still sin, but now we can sin less because God is inside of us and working through us. <laughs> So the breath of life, which is, restores us and regenerates us, transforms us into the man we were initially created to be. And this happens through the Holy Spirit. And I love how just the God, the, the Trinity works so perfectly in the gospel. The Trinity just so perfectly in each part of the gospel, they intertwine to just, just make the perfect gospel because God is perfect, right? So first there's God who first spoke this world into existence. He spoke all of us into existence. He spoke the beautiful mountains into existence. He spoke the vast ocean into existence. He spoke us into existence. And then after we sinned, he loved us so greatly and sent Jesus. So there's God. He spoke us into existence. He loved us. He poured his life upon us. And then now we're dead in our trespasses because we sinned. And just, and then, sorry. <laughs> and then he just loves us so greatly and sends Jesus. So now he sends Jesus and Jesus comes in and he lives a perfect life as an example for us. He died on the cross being the ransom of our sins. He rose giving us eternal life with him. So now Jesus, he comes and he restores that. He bridges that gap between us and God that sin has put. See, the cross, it is like a bridge that falls down and now there's God and then there's us and now we can travel to God and we can have unity with him through Jesus. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do have a high priest who is, uh, who is, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus died and he rose, and now he set the example. He went through the worst trials, he went through everything we went to just so we can see him and run towards him. It says there, um, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You see, he, he became this example. He became the perfect man. He was the perfect man. He died for us and rose up. So now we're alive in him and we become more like him. And now we know how we should act because of the life Jesus lived. And then now there's the Holy Spirit. You see, it doesn't just end at Jesus. It doesn't just end at this salvation. There's the Holy Spirit who breathes this life within us. He is our helper, our fire, our restorer, our regenerator. 
John 14, 26 says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance that I've said to you. See, they all work together perfectly. They're in perfect unity, the Trinity. They form this gospel, and through that we are saved. You see, God sent us. He loved us. He sent Jesus, and then Jesus saved us. He bridged this gap. We are now able to have community with him, and then the Holy Spirit breathes life into us. Now we can run and live a life as the men we are created to be. Regeneration. And regenerated. We are regenerated. It's just so great. So now... So now we know we are broken. We are dead in our trespasses. And thanks to the cross, we are saved. And to the resurrection, we we are now alive. Our chains in which kept us from community with God has been broken. We are free. So what now? We are saved. Our chains have been broken. But what now? We see most of us just stop at our chains being broken. We don't know what to do. We're like, do I run that way? Do I run that way? What do I do? I'm free. Like you don't, most people when they're freed from like slavery, they, where do they go? But Jesus, he did not save us from, just save us from something, but he saved us to something. See, Jesus didn't just break our chains so we can be free because us as humans in our freedom, we still go back to the bondage of sin. You see, Jesus sent Jesus, he freed us to himself. Jesus, he freed us to him. So now we, through his glory, can have this well-being and this life who's lived in him. So now we have mission. You see, now we are just, we have mission and now we are freed from something and to something. And now that something, Jesus gives us a mission. The Holy Spirit breathed into us, doesn't just stand still. He runs as fast as he can. So now we have mission and we have to keep up with the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't matter about us. It's just about him. See, if we're fully submitted to him, then we can just run without worrying about ourselves. If we slay all of our sins upon the cross, then we don't have to worry. So now we have mission. As I'm going to read these later, but it's Titus 3, 1 through 8, and James 2, 14 through 17, and Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and Matt 28, 18 through 20. You see, any atheist can read their Bible. Any atheist can quote John 3.16 all day till he thinks he believes it. Any broken man can do those things. Any broken man can pick this up and read it. It doesn't take that much skill. Any broken man can just memorize a verse and just say it until they think they believe it. You see, but the difference between the broken man and the Christian is the Holy Spirit not only living inside them, but overflowing throughout them. You see, you see, we, we don't just stop at salvation, you know? We don't just stop with our chains broken. The Holy Spirit is breathed into us, and now we can run towards him. And now the Holy Spirit overflows us so we can pour into others, that we don't just keep it in ourselves, but we can just make disciples of all nations as Matthew 28 through 18 through 20 says, we are now, we can make disciples of all nations. We can run towards Jesus. We can run towards something greater than ourselves, something greater than anything. So Christian, we're not called to sit around. There is a response to this salvation. James 2, 14 through 17 says, what good is it 
What good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and is lacking in, in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warm, and be filled, without giving them the things needed to, for their body, what good is that? So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. See, we are called to respond to God's faithfulness with faith. You see, God was faithful to us when we were not faithful. God is always faithful when we are not faithful, but there is a response to that faithfulness. You see, all the patriarchs of our faith, you see all like Moses and you see Abraham, they're all, they're all sinners, but they responded to God's faithfulness. And I struggle with this so much. I just, I see God's faithfulness. I'm like, oh God, thank you. I'm saved. But I don't respond. I I struggle with this so much where I'm just like, I'm like, oh God, you're so faithful. You did this, 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 and this. And then I just sit there and watch Netflix. Like I don't do anything about it. It should empower us. The Holy Spirit through God's faithfulness should work through us and we should be overjoyed and just be jumping in joy and just running as hard as we can to the cross because God's faithfulness is so great and we just want to just react to that faithfulness with faith. But then there still lies that inner struggle. You see, we're saved, but we're still sinners. Titus 3, 1 through 8 explains it perfectly says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness of the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done in us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of, the, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to, to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and prod- profitable, profitable to, for people. <laughs> Reaction to God's faithfulness is natural because, both, because of both the title of the sermon and my favorite word, Regeneration. You see, we do not have to try to be faithful after God's faithfulness. See, the Holy Spirit goes in us and it happens naturally. See, we see God's faithfulness and without thinking, we go out and be faithful. You see, with this regeneration, we can now, since we're, even though we're broken men, still run towards Jesus and strive to the cross. Yeah, we are broken, man. Yeah, even though we're saved, we're still sinners. Yeah, it's human nature. But because of his love, we still sin, but now we can sin less. Now when we accept this regenerating grace and the Holy Spirit breathes life into, into this carcass, we are being regenerated into that very man we are created to be, which is regeneration. You see, we try to do all these good works. I... 
This is one of my biggest flaws. I try to do all these good works for myself. I try to do all these good works because God tells me to. He tells me to do this and this and this. So I try to do it I, and it stresses me out. But then I remember that it's not about me. It's about Jesus. You know, it's not about us and it's not about our good works. It's about the God and the savior who saved us and is now regenerated in us and can work through us. It is not about us at all. You see, and then when we're submitted and we realize it's not about us, then we can truly be made into that man we're supposed to be. And now we can truly be faithful to God's faithfulness. You see, now we can sin less and not even think about it. We can get over these burdens without even thinking about it because we've submitted our sins upon the cross. And now, without even thinking, nothing ensnares us down and nothing holds us down and we can just run as fast as we can. But you see, that gift is offered to us, but we do not receive it at birth. It is not by our own actions that we are saved, but it does take a single action to obtain salvation, repentance. You see, to be saved, we must repent. Luke 13, three says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You see, we need to repent because that repentance exposes our sin and ourselves for who we are. If we repent, then that should lead to submission. You see, that repentance exposes us for who we are. And then we realize how much we really need Jesus, right? We just, when we repent, we're exposed for our true selves. And we're like, dang, we're not that great. Dang, we suck. Look at this and look at this and look at this and look at this. And I look at myself when I'm repenting. I'm like, oh, who am I? Because we put on this mask. We think, we think we're better than who we were because we think we do all these good deeds. But really, one sin will make us perish. You see, and when we realize that sin within us, that should lead us to, to submission. We realize, oh my gosh, I need Jesus. Oh my gosh, I want to be better. Oh my gosh, I just need you, Jesus. So in that needing and in that wanting of Jesus and in that desire, we submit, you know? We submit to God and we just realize we need him. So we lay all of our sins, we lay all of our burdens. We see all of that and we just say, Jesus, take it because he took it upon the cross. He died for it. So we submit, and now that submission turns into regeneration. You see, salvation requires repentance, but regeneration requires submission. I'm going to read it again. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Repentance leads to salvation, which should lead to submission, which leads to regeneration. You see, it should be a natural thing. It should not be a natural sequence of, of happenings. It's like, it should all happen. Like we repent, oh my God, I need you. I submit to you. And then the Holy Spirit is breathed into us. And now we are regenerated, made into the men we're supposed to be. But we cannot regenerate ourselves. That is so important. This, I just think I can regenerate myself. I think if I just do this, then I can become a better man. Like I said earlier, it's not about our works, but about God's faithfulness to use us. 
see, we cannot regenerate ourselves, nor can we make it through trial without Jesus. We can do nothing without him, as John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We have burdens. We have sins that keep us from that. But we ourselves cannot remove our sin. Only the cross can remove our sin. So we need to constantly be in remembrance of that. That only the cross can remove our sin. Nothing we do can remove this sin. Nothing we can do can help us get through this trial. Nothing we can do can make us joyful. Nothing we can do can do anything because we can do nothing without Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. All of our fruit lies in Jesus. All of our life should lie in Jesus. Verse one says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And it's not just a one-time thing. Submission should be a natural reincurrence. You see, every morning, every hour, every moment of our day, we should be submitted to God because if we are not submitted to God, then he cannot regenerate us. See, only in submission can we be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. So it should be a constant reoccurring thing, submission. You see, submission is just so important because if we are not constantly submitting, then the Holy Spirit cannot constantly change us into that man we are intended to be. So it is important that we repent, we submit, and we're regenerated. See, repent, like I said, repentance, salvation requires repentance, but regeneration requires submission, and it's a natural sequence. See, it is this, it is when we're Sorry, it is when we are just, when we lay aside everything upon the cross, it is at this time we can truly be changed. See, we cannot be changed without ourselves. I keep on emphasizing this because it's so important. At least in my life, it's so important because I try to do all this by myself. I mess up all the time. My mom and dad can attest this. I screw up constantly. I am the biggest screw up. I'm the biggest dingus who's ever walked this earth. But you know what? I'm up here on the pulpit and God's using me so mightily. See, God can use us so mightily even in our screwing up, even in our dingusness. God will use us so mightily. Uh, Carly, you're laughing. About it. Uh, so we are always laying aside every weight and sin which upon the cross. And it's that when we can truly change. And now in that chain, our sin no longer ensnares us. Our burdens upon the cross will never be seen again. It says, it says now we can run with endurance. See, nothing holds us down anymore. We lay our sins upon the cross. We submit to him. And now we're free. We're just, there's nothing on our shoulders because Jesus lifted that. And now we can just run as fast as we can. Just run as fast as we can because nothing holds us down. And when nothing holds us down, we just run. And we can run with endurance and these weights won't lead us to the other side. These weights won't turn us around. These weights will just put our mind towards Jesus and the Holy Spirit will just make us have tunnel vision towards the cross. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so now being able to respond to God's faithfulness and regeneration, the author gives us two steps to responding to God's faithfulness. He gives us two steps. Very helpful. 
First is race fast. If you can have them up here. Race fast. It's okay if we can't have them. But, oh yeah, race fast. Are you guys proud of me? I drew those. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Chris rendered them for me, so clap for him too. But I'm not, I drew them. Sorry, not about me, not about me, not about me. So now, <laughs> so now, <laughs> so now with, <laughs> instead of sins, I accidentally wrote sons. Okay, so now in these sins and burdens are all on our shoulders, we can run with endurance, like I said, with nothing holding us down. We are free. And like I said before, we are not freed from, we are not freed from something. We are freed to something. We are freed to the cross. So now we can run with endurance. But because of this re- regeneration, we are, like I said before, freed, blah, 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 blah. Just like we read before in Titus 3, it is not, it is not, to, the, it is not to be conquerors that we run, but instead we run because Jesus has already won. So freaking race like it. So we... So Jesus won. Jesus, we are more than conquerors because Jesus already won the battle on the cross. So now we can race like we're conquerors. We don't have to be afraid of losing the battle anymore because we know the war is already won. We don't have to be afraid. We can just run without fear. It just makes me so happy and it just overflows me with joy that I can just run and I don't have to be afraid of anything. Though our flesh makes us afraid sometimes, but if we're submitted to Jesus and we are regenerated and we are made the man we're supposed to be, there's no fear in God. So we don't have to fear, but if we're in flesh, we will fear. See, when I know when I fear something, I'm like, I'm in the flesh, I need to submit to Jesus. So we have already won the war. So run is so, so run looking toward the hope Toward looking, run looking toward that hope instead of us pretending it's left. You see, we, we tend to pretend like there's no hope. Like, oh, poor me. I do this a lot. I'm like, there's no hope. I just can't do this. I have bad grades. I just can't do this. Stop complaining. We already won. There's hope. Don't pretend there's no hope, you know? Yeah, so... And no matter how we feel, we can still keep that endurance because like I said before, we're submitted to the cross. No matter how we feel, no matter how bad we feel we're doing, no matter, no matter how bad our grades are, no matter how and just annoyed we are, we can still, God can still use us. You see, if we submit 100% of the 5% we're feeling, God will use that 5%, the 100% of that 5% mightily. But... But, but this is so important because uh, I fall short of this so much because I'm the biggest sinner that's ever lived. Okay, if we, submission isn't 50% of that 90%. No, it's 100% or 0%. See, we do not give God 50% of ourselves. He does not require 50%. That's when you become the lukewarm Christian and God wants to spit them out. You see, we give 100% or we give 0%. One or the other. So be constantly submitted. Submission requires everything, not half of things. So God is always faithful to mightily use you when you simply just give him everything. When you just pray to him and say, God, I give you everything, 
right then and there, he will put your eyes upon the cross and all those burdens will be behind you. Everything will be behind you and you can just run. Even when you feel terrible, you can still be used so mightily. God is always faithful to use that man. But the point isn't to run fast. It does not just say run with endurance because it says the race that was set before us. And what's a race? Two or more people running towards a single goal. You see, we are not called to be alone. We are, since the, and it also says in the beginning, therefore, we are, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Christian, we are not created to be alone. It says in Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. We are not created to run alone. We are created to race. We are created to outdo one another. We are created to run and beat one another and fight to one in, with one another in love towards the cross. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so the friend sharpens the countenance of a friend. As iron sharpens iron, we sharpen each other. We race each other. We we run with each other. We push each other towards the cross. So don't race your own race because if there are no brothers and sisters running alongside you, then I would say that you're running the wrong race. You see, if you're running alone, I feel like you're running for the wrong reason. You see, naturally, in fellowship should happen. You're not called to be alone. So we race fast looking towards Jesus. And Romans 12, 9 through 13 says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly infection. Outdo one another in showing, in showing honor. <laughs> do, not, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Outdo one another, guys. We're called to outdo one another. We're called to compete with one another in love towards the cross. If we're doing it out of jealousy, then it's not for Jesus. But if we're doing it out of love, then it is good. And God takes favor in that. You see, race with one another upon a sing- looking upon the single goal, Jesus. Do not race looking upon doing good works but race to Jesus and fight each other through doing good works in your regeneration. It says, looking to the founder and perfecter of our faith, we run together focused on Jesus, our mission, our goal, our example, so we can run with one another, we can push each other, we can run faster and race to Jesus. You see, when you have somebody running next to you, you guys push each other and you run a little faster and faster and faster and soon enough you're just sprinting and you still got miles to go, but you don't feel tired because you're focused on that single goal. You see, when we're focused on Jesus, we didn't, we're not tired, right? Because all of our sins are upon the cross. See, nothing holds us down. And I wanna emphasize that word, Love, it says, let love be genuine. Love one another. Outdo one another in showing honor and love. We outdo each other in love. Love is the most important part of this race. Without love, it is not the correct race. It says in John 15, 12 through 14, it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this 
that someone may lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if, if you do what I command you. We are called to race in love because Jesus first loved us, right? We're called to, because in this regeneration, we become the man we're created to be and the man we're created to be is just like Jesus because he sets the example for us. So if Jesus had love and he ran with love and he raced with love, then we too are supposed to race with love. See, the first fruit in this race should be love. And if your first fruit isn't love, then I'll look back at what you're racing for. See, if Jesus, if God first loved us, and if he is our first love, then we should first love too. See, love is our first fruit, and we race with that love, the same love that Jesus endured the cross. See, Jesus endured the cross, racing so that we could be in community with him in that love, that same love we have in our race for with one another. So leading into my second point, Count it as all joy. Verse two says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Because of his love, Jesus endured the cross. Because of his love, Jesus endured the cross. And in that love, he counted it as all joy because of his knowledge of how his love would not only keep us from dying, but make us alive with him so we could have perfect community with him once more. So that love is what made Jesus count it as all joy. And again, if we are regenerated, if we are made into the men we are created to be, then that love then that love should be in us and we too should count it as all joy. If Jesus on the cross, if Jesus suffering the worst trial this history has ever known and this future has ever known, if Jesus was able to endure the cross with joy, then we too can endure our trials with joy. We count it as all joy. So we're called to race with love. Ah. So therefore, if Jesus counted as all joy on the cross, then in our trial, we too count as all joy. James 1, 2 through 14, this is such a comforting verse. Count it as all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing." This is what I have trouble with the very most. I say I have trouble with all these things. This is what I have trouble with the very most. You see, bad things happen. Bad things happen frequently, both when we screw up and when others screw up. We just, things happen. Like the other day, I, the other week, like a few weeks ago, I got a brand new surfboard. It was my second time riding. It was before a contest. I was so stoked. And I broke that surfboard in half 15 minutes before my contest. I, I didn't mean to do that. It just happens. It comes with a broken world. And then, <laughs> and then just this morning, I got a new surfboard. And this, just this morning, at a contest during my heat, I broke my surfboard. You see, bad things happen. I mean, there's way worse things than breaking surfboards. Don't get me wrong. That's just an example that's in my life currently. But there's other things that's going on. See, bad things happen frequently. It's what comes with a broken world and there's no escape, especially for the Christian. See, we screw up even if it's not out of disobedience of the Lord. 
I, I screw up constantly. I just don't get the grades I need to get. I don't, I don't do the right thing. I just forget to take out the trash barrels or I forget to do these things. And it's not because I'm trying to. It just happens. We're broken men. We live in a broken world. And this brokenness, just, it just happens. And then trials occur from both our mistakes and both others' mistakes and sins. See, but in that trial, we're supposed to count it as all joy. See, there's no escape from trial, especially for the Christian. The Christian generally goes through more trial because it's trial, it's in the reaction we are being tested. See, God lets these bad things happen to us. He lets this broken world catch up to us. He lets these bad things happen so he can test us and we can be refined in the fire and we can be even more like him. You see, lately I've been just going through really hard trials, but if you're just submitted to the Lord and you just count it as all joy, it becomes so great. You should just think of this. We are being tested by the creator of the universe in whom we have a personal relationship with. That is a joyous thing to worship over, amen? Because like, it, it seems that it's just hard. We're going through these trials. This, we just live in this broken world and we're just going through these hard times. But think of this. The God whom wants to have a perfect unity with you, whom you have a fellowship with, who created this entire world, not only just the seas and the mountains, but this universe, the galaxies that we don't even, can't even wrap our mind around, wants to have a relationship with us and wants to refine us and wants to test us. So in that, we should run harder, right? We should run harder. We should count it as all joy. Count it as all joy because God is testing you. It's so great. So worship through your trial. So in our trial, are we going to sit and complain? I do this a lot. I sit and complain a whole lot. Are we going to sit and complain? Or are we going to run with endurance, the, with faith, counting it as all joy? So don't just cry out to the Lord and say, God, help me. See, we tend to get all emo. I, I get all emo a lot. We just like, oh, God, I'm so broken. Oh, I can't do it. I'm just lonely. And, but no, God says to count it as all joy. He says to run. We don't cry out to him. We, we cry out to him, but we don't stop there. We don't sit there in our mourning because there is comfort. It says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Not blessed are those who mourn for they're still mourning and it sucks. <laughs> blessed are those who mourn for they are comforted. So we don't just mourn over our sin. We don't just mourn over this broken world. We race because of this broken world. We run towards Jesus because this world is broken and we want a savior to make us unbroken. He, we want a savior who can break our chains, who can give us a mission, a greater mission than we are living before. And thinking of this, God just put this image in my mind. If you're going to listen to anything I say today, listen to this. Exodus 14, 13 through 15 says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work on for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. See, put this picture in your head. 
this nation of Israelites, they're trapped in a corner with to their backs, there's the entire Red Sea. And then to their front is 600 Egyptian terriers racing towards them, planning to kill them all. You see, it's pretty an epic trial. If we think our trials are bad, this one seems pretty gnarly. See, Moses, he, made, he gave the people hope. He understood God's faithfulness and gave encouragement through it in his trial. But he made a single mistake. He said these two things. He said, stand firm and you have only to be silent. See, he gave the people hope and he, in God's faithfulness, he's like, guys, God's going to be faithful. Don't worry. God will fight for us. But he didn't say to run. Just, just keep on going towards the Red Sea. It'll part. Don't worry. He didn't have... He had faith in God, but he did not run towards God in this faithfulness. And so God so epically responds. He says, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. You see, God will fight for us, but he also calls us to fight among with him. You see, God calls us to run with him. God calls us to fight with him. God calls us to not only have faith in him, but to use that faithfulness he has and just run as fast as we can, even if it seems like there's no hope, there is hope. See, God calls us to run and not to cry and sit and weep. He doesn't call us to be emo about our sin. He doesn't call us to be emo about this broken world. He doesn't call us to be emo about these 600 chariots coming towards us. He doesn't call us to just cry out. He calls us to run towards him. You see, there's a time for everything. Yes, there's a time to cry out to him, but there's always, it is always time to run towards him. It is always time to run towards him. We need to understand God's faithfulness, but we also need more to respond to that faithfulness. So when life gets tough, don't get emo. We cry out to the Lord and we say, please help us, please help us. But God says to put those 600 terriers behind you. You see, the Israelites, there was the sea behind them. There's chariots in front of them. They're just focused on those chariots. And they're like, oh no, we're going to die. And then they're like, oh, don't worry. God will save us. But they didn't focus on the Red Sea parting behind them. You see, instead of focusing on our trials, instead of focusing on this broken world and these chariots coming after us, focus on the sea parting. He says to run. He says, God said, tell the people of Israel to go forward. And where the Israelites were facing was towards the chariots. But God says to go forward towards him, where the Red Sea is. He says to go there. So when life gets tough, just run towards Jesus. God says to put the chariots behind us and focus on the glory of God, which is parting the Red Sea. See, when we focus on those trials, we don't get to see the glory of God and we don't get to count it as all joy because we cannot worship him and the things he's doing through us in our trials. So God gave us a way out through the cross, guys. God gave us a way out. So instead of sitting here afraid, we can run towards Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith says, looking to Jesus, the founder of perfecter of faith, who for all joy, who for all joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. God, 
God calls us to just forget about those trials, forget about it all and just run towards him. Because in this act of submission, in this act of regeneration comes the forgetting of our sins. Though we remember it in this repentance, it does not hold us down. We are convicted, but we are also comforted. See, see, conviction and comforting and encouragement come hand in hand where we are convicted, we see our sin, but we see the glory of God and we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, we just, we just run towards Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Just forget about those trials and look towards Jesus. So guys, Jesus, like I said before, he bridged that gap. And if you don't know that, I just encourage you, just, just understand, believe in that, that God, that Jesus bridged that gap and we no longer have to be sitting in our sin Now we can have community with God. Now we can rejoice in him. And no matter what, we are joyful. And even when times get tough, we can be joyful and submitted to the Lord our God. So we see communion here. Jesus, he, (laughs) sorry. I don't know what happened there. But Jesus, His body was broken. He died upon the cross. Jesus died, but now his blood washes over us and regenerates us. We don't have to sit in our sin anymore. We can just run towards Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So when we take communion, just remember the blood, the body that was broken and the blood that was shed so that we can be not only, that we can not only be saved, but alive in Jesus So guys, just run towards Jesus. After this day, just run as hard as you can. And when times get tough, run harder. See, I struggle with this. When times get tough, I run slower. But when times get tough, that's when we need Jesus the most. And when we need Jesus the most, we submit to him the most. And when we're submitted to him the most, we run the fastest. So guys, I'm going to pray us out. And I just want to encourage you. And first, if you just don't know Jesus, just... Talk to one of us, pray with one of us, or just just accept it in your heart. Just submit everything to Jesus because in that your lives will be so much nicer. You'll be blessed so much better. Life without Jesus sucks. And when you're living towards Jesus and forgetting about yourself, life is so much greater. So guys, I just encourage you, just run towards Jesus. Count it as all joy. Submit and be regenerated by the Holy Spirit and just overflow no matter what to all the people you're around. Just let people see that love. Let people see that first fruit that's within you. Let people see that love that rests in you. So guys, just, just do that. Just run. And I need to do that too. Just remember that. Just remember God's faithfulness and react with faith. I'm gonna pray this out. God, Oh, we're so in love with you. Thank you so much, God. God, in our brokenness, in this broken world, we are now made whole. We are now made new because of you, Jesus. God, Jesus, you've bridged that gap with the cross, and now we can have community with you, God. And I pray that each one of us, including me, in that community with you, in that unity with you, that we just run as hard as we can, that we submit, God. Holy Spirit, regenerate us. Pour your blood upon us, Jesus. God, we're so in awe and in love with you, God. And in that love for you, God, we just want to run faster, Lord. 
So I pray that in your name, and God, just bless this worship, God. Holy Spirit, just overflow this room, God. And I pray that everything I said will be forgotten, God, but what you say will just be remembered and just live in these people's hearts, God. That they'll live in my peers' hearts, God, and my elders' hearts, Lord. We love you. We thank you in your name we pray. Amen.